You're on Rams and Sands now officially. This is a feature that we have. This time, every Monday and every second Monday, we host a coach, a business coach. Uh, the coach we have in studio now is probably the fourth now since we started this feature. And I dare say that we've had all three before him were excellent. And I'm afraid he's excellent. Excellent too. So he's not going to be any less excellent. That's what we do. So uh, Pablo Fatiris is CEO of Oric Business Accelerator, an organization that works with entrepreneurs to build their businesses into valuable assets. He's an expert on entrepreneurship. And tonight he's sharing uh, his expertise on how entrepreneurs can grow their businesses and tell us about his experiences at the recent Grow Co Business uh, Growth Conference in New Orleans, uh, America. Uh, I I will say this without any shame, that uh, I fell in love with your work that you do at 702, and I've always said I'm going to have him here one day. Thank you, thank you very much. I have listened thank you for to, having me. Thank I have you. listened to every advice that you give, and I know you know what you're talking about. And thank you for being here. Good evening it's to you. Good evening to you. Good evening to your listeners. Thank you very, very much for having me. It's a real privilege. I'm going to ask you a Crap question first. Why should I grow my business? So I started my business two years ago. I'm distributing whatever, you know, chicken and stuff like that. I'm doing well. I'm 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 netting my sixty thousand rand a month. Why should I grow it? You know, Rams, there's a big difference between making money out of business and creating wealth from a business. Yeah. So wealth is made when you create a business that can be sold for a capital profit. Mm. And that's the big difference between the two. The other approach is I run my business, I do my business, I make money every month, I spend the money that I need, I've got a comfortable lifestyle, but mostly you need to be thinking about tomorrow because instead of spending that money on a comfortable lifestyle, if you spend it investing it in the business and you grow the capital value of your business, so many people turn around and say to me, how is it that these big companies got listed? How is it that Anglo-American was started by one person? Look at the size of it today. Mm. It's because generation after generation after generation invested in building the capital value of that business as opposed to living out of the business on a month-to-month basis. Uh, You've made a huge example, uh, Anglo-American. In fact, I was thinking about Amazon also. Huge example. One man studying in a small room, and today what we're looking at is something completely different. And look at it, it still doesn't produce profit. Yes. Because the money that gets made in that business every single month gets reinvested in the next level of growth. You know, Rams, there's a business that they've now established, a new retail store. Yeah. You walk into this retail store, there are no tellers, there are no people helping you. You walk in, you take things off the shelf, you put it in your basket, and when you walk out on your phone, it says you took five Fantas, three Cokes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and we have debited your account by 324 Rand. Wow. It happens all in an automated way. And when I look at what they're doing, Amazon is reinvesting in that technology more and more and more and more because what they're doing is they're perfecting that technology in order to make that technology accessible to all retailers in the future. And that is a long-term play. That means that all the money you make out of that store gets reinvested in refining that technology and perfecting it further and further and further. I think that that particular service will only start making money in about seven, eight, nine years. And that's what reinvestment offers you. By the way, on Facebook, as we speak, Metro FM Talk with Rams, this conversation between Pavlo and I 
is live on our page, Metro FM Talk with Rams. We'd like for you to watch it there, comment there. We'll read your comments. But most importantly, we'd like you to call on 089-110-3377. If you run your own business and you want to ask him a question or two, trust me, I will battle to find a question he can't answer. Uh, that's me putting him on, you know, on, on, the, spot. on the spot right <laughs> there. Is, it a, is growth a long-term thing or can it also be achieved as quickly as starting up a business. Well, Rams, I can share I can share a personal story with you. Yeah. The first business that I built took me a lot longer than the businesses I built today. Yeah. So if you discover the approach, there's a very particular way to approach a business. All businesses grow through something called a business life cycle. Mm. It's inescapable. It'll happen to every single business. Everyone has to start. From there you need to build the foundation of the business. Yeah. It's like a body. If you don't build the body strong, it can't lift a heavy weight. Once you've built the foundation of the business, which means you've created business systems, systems are very simple things. It's a whole lot of activities that are put into an order that can be measured. Then you can employ people responsibly for the first time. Yeah. But you can say, I want you to run that system. That system is going to get customers through the door. That system over there is going to convert the customer. That customer is then going to buy the products and services we have to offer. Then you get your people put into place. Yeah. Once you've got your people put into place, then you focus on growth, real, real growth. And as you're growing, you then have to focus on innovation. Because if you grow and you don't reinvent the business, you will find yourself sitting in a situation where you're growing a very, very old, tired business. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it extensively. Kodak thought that they had a winning formula forever. And Rams, it's the most spoken about business in the United States of America. People are terrified of what they call a Kodak moment. When things are going well, you get fat, you get lazy, you get comfortable, you get happy. All of those things are a cancer for the business. And if you get too comfortable in a business without reinventing it, you're going to find yourself coming short because people like you and I, we change our minds quickly. Yes, Consumers and customers want different things today than what they wanted two years ago because the world is different. And as the world becomes different, problems become different. And if you don't meet those new problems by innovating your business and creating new services and new products, you're going to find yourself very tired, very old, and very much like Kodak or what we're seeing in some companies here in South Africa. I I have over the months created this uh, character that I call Bongani from Daviton, and I chose Daviton. I don't know why. And Dave, uh, Bongani manufactures and sells building nails. Mm-hmm. Bongani would, would say to you and I, uh, Pablo, that what do I innovate? I make nails. People build homes and they need nails. And and what I can do is probably order or make some more if people are building more. So let's look at that. Let's say Bongani makes nails, right? So firstly, there are many different types of nails that can be made. Yeah. And let's say he makes nails that are for wood. Yeah. So they're not masonry nails. Yes. They're, they're very specific nails. The next thing that he could do is instead of making nails, he could put them into packets of 10 nails each, 20 nails each, 30 nails each. The next thing that he could do is he could start selling nails along with the hammer. So he sells the full kit. Mm. The next thing he could do is sell nails with a hammer and some pictures on how you put two pieces of wood together to nail them together. But it's not that simple. Actually, it's not that simple. No, no. It's the worst thing. Yeah. I hate buying those things that self, <laughs> self-assemble things. I hate them with a passion. Exactly. Yeah. So so that's the one direction he could move in. The other direction he can move in 
is he says, look, I sell nails. Why are you buying nails from me? Oh, I'm buying nails because I need to hang pictures or I'm buying nails because I need to put together a structure yeah. for a pondok or whatever the case might be. In that case, he can then say, well, I can sell you the nails for that or I can do it for you as a service. So from a product, he now has a service as well. And he says, I'm selling you the nails, but I'll put it together as a service. And therefore, he is making more money in that sale than he would have had he just sold nails. Because if you're just selling a commodity, Rams, it's really, really hard to make yourself special. I, I'd like you to join in this conversation. I told you, so Bongani, I know you don't exist. You're my creation, but you <laughs> not, now you know what you can do. 89 uh, is the number to dial if you want to join in this conversation with Pablo. Uh, we'd like for you to join us, especially if you run your own business. You've been trying to grow. You're thinking about things. You're not too sure about them. Or at some point, you started growth and things did not go right. You want to find out what possibly could we have done wrong at that time and how you can correct it. Could is 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 there a possibility that other people grow too quickly for the business ability to grow? Rams, I one of my failures was a business where we grew broke. We grew broke. We grew so I've heard fast. it all. I've never heard that one. Yeah, we, we grew so fast. We, it was a mobile business. It was in the days when, you know, wallpapers were available yes, and ringtones. Yes. We grew that business so fast, it almost, it almost grew broke. And there are, two, there are two reasons for that. If I go back to this idea that a business needs to go through different stages of growth in order to build itself strong and solid, Think of it this way. Let's say you've got a kid, mm. and let's say it's a five-year-old kid, and you turn around to the kid and you say to the kid, here's a five-kilogram weight. Lift up the five-kilogram weight, and the kid can lift the five-kilogram weight, and the kid's still five years old, and then you say to the kid, I'm now going to give you a 20-kilogram weight. You put the 20-kilogram weight in the kid's hand, and the kid collapses under the 20-kilogram weight. That's, that, what, that happened to you and me when we yes. were five years old. yes. And what changed? What changed is over the years, we grew more muscle, we grew more bone density, we became stronger, and we can now lift a 20-kilogram weight. A business is the same thing. If you grow a business too fast, you don't let, let's call it the foundation of the business, the muscle and the bone of the business become strong enough to carry more responsibility and more weight. And I'll give you some practical examples of how that works. So with this particular business, we were growing it, and we were selling services to corporates. Mm -hmm. And we were selling services to corporates which used to take a lot of product from us. And I had to fund that product. But the corporates would only pay me 60, 90 days. So we were going along doing, let's say, 100 products a month. Suddenly a corporate client comes. It's now 1,000 products yep. a month. Now I'm buying 1,500 You are funding the corporates. I'm funny. I'm the bank. Yeah. I'm a bank of a corporate. We had no money. We couldn't get money as a small business because it's really hard to get money as a small business. Mm -hmm. So we had to fund the 1,100 units. I would sell the 100 to my other customers, the 1,000 to the corporate. My other customers were paying me 30 days. The corporate was paying me 90 days. We grew fast and we nearly grew broke. We nearly grew broke. And sometimes a good deal in other words, a big deal is sometimes too good to be true. Yeah. If you can't fund a big deal responsibly and reliably 
and you take that big deal, you can lose your whole business and you'll lose your other customers too. And then you're right back at the beginning. And you will lose the big deal too. Yes. And, and I've seen that time and time again. And the, the big buyer will say, don't go to Pablo. He's just useless. I gave him a good deal. He couldn't, he couldn't deliver. He couldn't deliver. Yeah. And you know, Johannesburg's a small place. Yeah. You know, we're small. In the United States, you make a mistake. You make two, three, four, five mistakes. People forgive you easily there because you can move from the West Coast to the East Coast. Yeah. yeah. Not here. Rams. No Not else. here. Not here. 89 Folks, I'm going to ask that we uh, observe a few rules. Let me say this quickly. Pablo and I are fine. So maybe let's not waste too much time on the how are you's and stuff like that. Get to the point because we don't have much time and many people want to talk. So can I please ask that we do it that way? Uh, Sia, good evening to you and thank you for the call. Uh, what's your question or contribution? Is that me? Okay. Yeah. Hi, friends. <laughs> yes, you're speaking to Sia from Pretoria. Mm. Um, my contribution, actually, I've got two things. One, I need an advice on a business that my wife is uh, trying to start up. And then secondly, I wanted to make a, co- um, a comment on the whole artificial um, um, intelligence that uh, Pablo um, explained, you know, made an example of. Yes. Okay, let me start with the first one quickly. So my wife wants to start up a business, um, an online boutique mm. of some sort, um, whereby she um, buys clothes or makes clothes, manufactures clothes, and then sell them online to people, which will include your PayPal type of a system and also the delivery um, type of a system. Mm. So it's it's still been, you know, more of an idea, a concept and so on. But in terms of practicalizing it, uh, more especially when it comes to capital, how can one raise enough capital for for doing such if you are starting a business from scratch um and also to to sustain it because i think it's going to include multiple service providers first of all there must be a system that um, people pay on online there okay. must be a delivery system you know let's get to the things. second one the second one is a comment now i i hear um he made this um example of a supermarket where people come in mm. and uh, basically there's no one and then you put things in your basket and a system already tells you. Um, it, it, you know, I appreciate a lot um, the type of intelligence and the type of technology that we are moving to us to. But at the same time, I'm very much worried now about South Africa. Take South Africa in the context of South Africa right now, with the high un- unemployment rate already as it is. Mm. Now, with all this advancement in terms of technology, it actually threatens um, that, uh, you know, the, 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 your manual labor. Yes. Because yeah. it's an industrial revolution. Mm. And and the side effects towards that, we can grow technologically, but at the same time then we'll be having side effects like high crime rates because now people will be retrenched. People will not have jobs. And then there'll be a, a bitter political atmosphere and okay. so on and things like that. And I wonder how we can balance those. Great stuff, Sia. Thank you for the two questions. Let's take Moses and then we'll respond to all of those. Good evening, Moses. We are good. Good evening, gentlemen. What's your I'm question? Good. What's your My question? question is regarding um, the running of a company, right? We're running a branding and corporate identity company. Mm. And what I would like to touch on is the fact that um, Pablo spoke about systems and um, systems the company created to employ people. If um, he could maybe further just give us more indication as to, as a small enterprise, how do you develop sort of like a system or quality management system that you can sell to say this is your business model to be able to enhance your business to grow further? And then number two, I'd like him to actually dwell into the funding models that uh, besides the whole conventional 
loaning of money and things like that. More on the financial management of things. Like, let's say, if you outsource a lot of services, do you do credit or do you do cash um, transactions to be able to grow your business financially and more stable without having to go into a deep and assumption that you're making money while you've got a lot of debt and not actually creating the right revenue? Excellent questions, Mo. Thank you for listening. Let's start with Sia's questions. They were great questions. And yeah. Amazing questions. And, I, and now nobody's and they, but digging technically, they're good questions. But like, also, interestingly, and I'm not complaining, is that they, they're not on script, but it's fine. You are here. No, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's really, really nice. Okay, so Sia, the startup with your wife, making clothes. All right, so you're not going to like my answer to it. It's going to be a long road, a long, long road to get into the online space. Online in South Africa is still in its very, very, very early stages. And there are two reasons for it. Firstly, it's expensive for most people to get online. You know, our data mm. costs are high. Data billing is not really reliable, as we all know. A lot of people run out of data. You need data to be able to engage yeah. online. Okay. We don't have a problem with people using technology. You know, for example, I work with a business in Europe, and it sells services to the most rural, rural, old farmers you can imagine, subsistence farmers. Yeah. Rams, they've got the cell phone, the old Nokia cell phones. They use USSD. They communicate with their customers. Yeah. They take these farmers, they tell the farmers where to take the beehives into the mountains of Greece. And these old farmers use it because it makes them money. Yes. So the idea that technology is a barrier for people, I don't buy. I've seen, I've seen everyone... If there's value in it, use technology. Yeah. So the big problem with online for us is, number one, is the cost of bandwidth. But most importantly, it's the cost of distribution and delivery. We have very unreliable addresses where people reside. If, I, if you order something from me and I deliver it to you, and you're not there on the day that I deliver it, or I can't get into your property because you've got a high wall and you've got fences and you've got electric fences and yeah. you've got big dogs and no one lets you in, then I've got to drive all the way back, bring that article back, and I've got to try and get it wow, to you again. I never thought about that. And that's called reverse logistics. And reverse logistics is the thing that kills any profit that's made in the online space if it's not properly managed. So the best approach for Sia's wife, if she makes clothes and she's really good at it, see, I'm sorry to say this to you, but she must make clothes and go to these big Sunday markets, establish a brand over there, Every time somebody buys an item of clothing, you get their name, you get their telephone number, connect with them on Facebook and start to build a database of people who become fans of your wife's brand of clothing. Mm. Because as you build up that fan base, the biggest next challenge for online is how do you get people to become aware of you? It's well and good creating a website, but it's sitting in amongst millions and millions and millions of websites. If you've done the hard yards and you've been to the markets and you've got a big database of people who've enjoyed your clothing, who've given you testimonials, and you go and you establish your website and you launch your website to that database, and that database likes your brand, likes your clothing, and you tell that database to tell other people about your clothing, then you've got the shop front. The shop front's up. And that's how you start moving into the online space. Mm. The payment systems are becoming cheaper and easier the establishment of the website's becoming cheap and easier. You can buy these things off the shelves. That's the easy part of it. The most difficult part is getting that business established. And the only way to get it established, if you don't have a lot of money behind you, is to do the hard yards. Hit the streets. 
You've got to pound the pavement, and that's it. Right. Get to the markets. Establish two, three people at two, three different markets. Let them represent your brand. Let them represent your clothing. But ca- capture the database. Start capturing the database. Anyone in retail must be capturing a database. Because, Rams, you know, one minute we've got a shop. You and I in business. We're selling these pens or whatever the case is. We're doing really, really well. And of a day, like that, the landlord decides he no longer wants us there. We must move somewhere else. If all we did was sell pens and we never collected the information we're about in our customers. Because then we can walk away with our database and say, fine, we'll go to another landlord. We'll establish another shop. We'll notify our 10,000 fans on Facebook that we are now at a new location. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that database, we can't get online, we can't get offline, we can't get anywhere. Every time you make a sell, capture the data. Excellent. Then with regard to artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, Sia, whether we like it or not, it's inevitable. It is happening. Mm-hmm. It is happening. And there's a fantastic argument that shows that with the advent of new innovation and technology, new jobs are created. But here's the thing. If we as a country don't get our education system together, we will be left out of it and we will suffer the environment that you spoke about. Because the way that it's been working over the last 300 years with new innovations coming into place is every time somebody innovated and disrupted an industry, it created more opportunity. And I'll give you a great example. In around, in around 1710, there was the, England had a fantastic textile industry. Mm. It was a big textile industry just before the Industrial Revolution. And some guy came up with a way to take looms. Looms are, you know, Rams, those big wooden things where you, you push the, the, the spin all the way through. You push it back and forth and oh, back and forth. Oh, yes, back and forth, yes. And it makes the fabric. The fabric, yes. Yeah, so the fabric starts coming out. And you would pedal like crazy, and that's yes. how you would get the thing going. He invented a loom that would be driven by steam power. And there was a guy called John Ladd who was 19 years old, and he looked at this thing and he said, that thing's going to take my job. So what did he do? He set the looms on fire. He burnt down the factory. And they were called the Luddites, the people that followed him. And the Luddites went, and they actually killed a few people who were busy innovating the textile industry. And that was in 1710. And yet look at it today. The textile industry has become huge. It's become increasingly more automated. But the jobs were created in other areas. They were created by people who could make robots. They were created by people who could fabricate the technology, Mm. by the people who make the electronic components. And that's where the opportunities lie. Innovation is unstoppable. It's inevitable. If we don't improve our STEM studies, and I spoke to the former minister of Department of Science and Technology, Minister Pandur, Pandur, and her biggest concern was, rightly so, that we don't have enough Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics capabilities within our educational system. If we don't get education right, it is the only thing, quite honestly, we need to get right in this country to make sure that we remain part of the, the growing modern world. Excellent. Moses is complaining. Yeah, Moses. Branding companies are hard to build, Mr. Moses. Yeah, there's so many of them. Yeah. And what sets you apart from one branding company to the next? But your questions weren't about that. The questions were around systems. So let me give you an example of a system first. So let's say, Moses, that the way you market your, you market your company is to 
send emails right to databases, a database of people. So the first thing is, in a company, it's not often that you only find one person making a decision to support you. Mm. If you say, hey, I want to do business with you, that company normally has to speak to one, two, three, or four people. If you're talking to corporates, there are normally four or five people involved. You will find the branding manager. Yeah. You will find procurement. Yeah. You will probably find the sales manager. You'll definitely find the finance manager. And maybe there's one other person yeah. who's involved. And normally when we sell, we're only selling to one person, thinking that they make the decision. But in bigger businesses, in medium-sized businesses, there are two, three, four, five people that make the decision. So let's say we're selling branding to a corporate. And let's say we're selling branding to the marketing manager. What's the marketing manager looking for? The marketing manager is looking for creative work that looks amazing, that will set your branding effort apart from his competitors. You then go to the finance manager. What's she looking for? She says, I want everything for nothing now. She doesn't want to pay for anything. That's finance. Mm. You go to procurement. They say, well, do you have all the proper regulations in place for us to buy from you? Do you have a tax certificate? Have you got proper accounts? Have you got a B certificate? You then go on to the next person. Let's say it's sales. Sales is saying, what's the call to action? Mm. How is that piece of branding work going to convert into a deal for my sales team? So already over there, you've got four different requirements that you have to meet. You then come back to the office, and now we're going to build a marketing system. We're going to create four emails. Each email is going to have a different picture and is going to have different writing on it. To the finance manager, you'll have a picture of a piggy bank with a big belt pulled around it to say, we're the most cost-effective branding provider. You will talk about how because you have ABC, you can bring down the cost of the branding work. To the creative director, Mm. you're going to be talking about awards that you've won, and you're going to show some really good case studies of beautiful branding that's unusual, that stood out, that captured the imagination of people. And so it goes. And what you've gone and done is you've now created a series of activities. Number one, get a picture. Number two, put content together. Number three, combine it in an email. Number four, send it out to your customer. Yeah, That's a system. That's all it is. That's all it is. And you repeat this system and you, you make sure that it, it's there. It's part of what you do. Completely. Rams. And you make sure that you can teach someone to do it. Yeah. Because then once you can teach someone to do the system for you and you know that that is the right way to do the system to get the business in, you can then give somebody else a responsibility of doing marketing. And the moment that happens, Moses, it means all you have to do is you've got to measure Rams or me who's running your marketing system, that I send up my 50 emails like that every month and I get 10 inquiries back. It means that you yourself don't have to do it. And if you don't have to do it, it frees up your time. Yep. And when it frees up your time, it allows you to focus on building the next system and the next system and the next system till everything you do in the business is supported by organized systems. And that gives you the confidence to go out there and do the big deals that you know you can deliver on and save your reputation and build your reputation. I need you to do to make me a promise on air, Pablo, as we conclude. Am I going to have you sometime again this year? <laughs> I'd love to be here, Rams. <laughs> if I can help, if I can be of service, Man. and if I've got something useful to share, it, I would be very appreciative. We, we, we're trying to extend the time of this feature, but 
even if we had more time with you, I would still want you again and again and again. Because the nuggets that you share here are so important to people that call us, those are, who are listening. And I can tell you, we're going to repeat all the details that we have on Facebook. People are asking a million questions. We don't have the time. But I, I, I'd like to thank you and, start, and say this to our listeners especially. I say this all the time. Education, as Pablo said, is very important. But guess what? Lately, most of it is also free. Get yourself educated. Read every book you can get. Go online. Listen to shows like this. Equip yourself. Please, I'm begging you. You're not going to make it if you don't educate yourself. And I'd like you to listen to this man as much as you can. Check out Oric Business Accelerator. Check out his work. And read the stuff that he writes. You will be better. Trust me. If you don't get better from Pablo, I owe you. Mr. Fatiris, it's been wonderful having you here. Smoboto, thank you very much for having me. I know I will have you again. I will blackmail you a million times <laughs> and you will come back. Pablo Fatiris, CEO of Oric Business Accelerator. When we come back, it's fame and fortune.